welcome to episode 91 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy, and I have a great show lined up for you today. So let's go ahead and get started with the news. So uh, E3, I believe, kicks off today. But of course, uh, all of the big companies have had their press conferences already. So I'm going to kind of cover what has happened yesterday up through today, which is about 4 o'clock Central Time. And then next week, we'll recap with uh, the rest of E3 and what has happened. Um, so I'm going to kind of go, a lot has happened, uh, a lot of it doesn't interest me, so I'm just going to kind of hit on the, the things that I found interesting in and offer my opinions on this. So uh, the first thing that caught my eye was the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, the original PlayStation trilogy, um, is getting an HD remaster and it's going to be exclusive for the uh, the PlayStation 4. I don't quite know how all of this works. Sony might own the distribution rights for the first three titles uh, before it went to Universal, who was bought by Activision, or however it all worked out. It really doesn't matter. Um, the reason this kind of caught my eye is because I've put out a Crash Bandicoot uh, video a week and a half ago or so. So I'm starting to get a, a real good feel for the Crash Bandicoot uh, the Crash Bandicoot community. Now, uh, I'm fairly well versed in the Sonic community. I've done a million Sonic videos. I've been part of the Sonic uh, community since the late 90s. Um, you know, I'm aware of where it's been, where it's going, how all of those interactions take place. Uh, so when I talk about Sonic, I kind of know what to expect from the community. Uh, but with Crash Bandicoot, I don't really know. I am not a hardcore Crash Bandicoot fan. Um, I've owned a few of the PlayStation games back in the day. Uh, today, all I own is the first one, the original one on the PlayStation, and I enjoy it quite a bit. And I also bought uh, Wrath of Cortex on the Xbox when it first came out because I was really excited to try the next-gen uh, Wrath of Cortex. And then I've recently revisited Wrath of Cortex on the GameCube. And uh, that's kind of my experience. Uh, Crash Nitro Kart as well. But I'm not part of that community. I don't know what those folks think about all of the different games and uh, you know the progression or lack of progression and obviously now the stagnation of the Pr Crash Bandicoot franchise so uh, the first thing I can say is it seems the Crash Bandicoot is a lot less toxic uh, the community is a lot less toxic than the Sonic community uh, probably because the game isn't as old Crash came out in what 1996 versus Sonic which would have been 1991 so there's a whole extra you know generation of Sonic games and things for people to complain about. Uh, so when The Wrath of Cortex came out, it was developed by a different team. They had some different ideas and uh, the game didn't do that well and continued to not really capture uh, what made those first games uh, so special for people. Just like people hold the same views of the original Sonic trilogy on the Genesis, one, two, uh, three and Knuckles, and then to a lesser extent Sonic CD. Um, so Crash Bandicoot kind of went through that generation change and lost a lot of fans. And as far as I know, uh, you know, it's pretty much it just isn't what it used to be uh, versus something like Mario, which has basically remained unchanged since it came out in 85 or whatever. It's the same plumber, same model, pretty much not much has changed. Um, and of course, you know, Nintendo doesn't have a new Mario game uh, every year and people don't get tired of it. So when they finally do have a new Mario game, people are generally a little more accepting of changes to the franchise. And uh, yeah, so 
It doesn't seem like this Crash Bandicoot uh, trilogy remaster is going to be developed by the same team. So that immediately kind of reminds me of the game with the worm, Earthworm Jim, how it was remastered. Uh, but a lot of people didn't feel it held up to the Genesis game. A lot of that pixel perfect accuracy from that Genesis game didn't necessarily transfer uh, all that well to uh, an HD remake or even something like Oddworld, uh, which is a cinematic platformer, um, sort of like Blackthorn is the, my go-to example or Flashback, um, where that, you know, every step is exactly eight pixels across the screen. That was kind of lost and the game kind of lost its charm. And obviously those original fans, you know, weren't that excited. So my fear or my prediction is that the hardcore Crash Bandicoot fans are just not going to enjoy the HD remaster. There's going to be some minute difference, some minute change that they are not going to enjoy. And uh, I think that's pretty much going to be the end of Crash. If I had a PlayStation 4, I would be all over these games. Uh, I, I really do enjoy that style of platformer. It feels very rigid and very linear. Um, both the uh, the third person segments along with the side scrolling segments just there's something very simplistic about it that I really really dig but I thought it was cool that they're going to try it anyway hopefully it's successful maybe we'll see you know some proper sequels sticking to that classic style and that would be really neat it would be neat to see crash you know become relevant again but I'm not sure if it's going to happen um, let's see here. PlayStation VR has an official release date, October 13th. So we've talked about uh, PlayStation VR in the past. I feel like I have my prices wrong on this. Let me check my link. All right, so it should be $399 for just the PlayStation VR. Obviously, you need a PlayStation 4, and then really you're spending $500 for the PlayStation VR because you need the uh, the camera along with the Move controller. Uh, it won't work without those two critical peripherals. So for most people, it's going to be a $500 add-on, uh, which in the realm of 3D is not a bad price at all. Uh, the most common theme that I've heard from you, the viewers, over the past few months of talking about this is the PlayStation 4 just lacks the power needed for something like the Oculus Rift um, that needs a $1,500 high-end PC to really do it right. So I'll be curious. Uh, I haven't read any of the first impressions of people that have gotten to try PlayStation VR. Uh, is that experience, you know, what it needs to be or not? I'm not sure. Um, I'm still skeptical about virtual reality in general. Obviously, this is something that's been tried since the 90s um, and has never really caught on. I'm not sure if there is a use case that's going to make this a must-own item. Um, others are, are a lot more optimistic. Uh, maybe it's the first step into something bigger or better. I'm not real sure. Um, until there is a killer app, I'm just not going to be super, super stoked. Um, everything needs, you know, a killer app. Uh, and, and without that, it is just going to be a fad like VR, you know, has been in the past. Um, so if some company comes out, you know, with that killer app, with that use case saying you cannot live without this, um, you know, then obviously I'll be wrong. But we'll see. Maybe someone will get there. I'm going to move on. I'm kind of all over here. These are just um, this is just what 
tickled my fancy. So Microsoft announced the Xbox One S, um, which is going to be 40% smaller than the current Xbox One. It's going to have the power supply built into the console rather than having a brick outside the console. Uh, that doesn't really matter to me much. It sits behind the TV and I never see it. For other people, that is a pretty big deal. They are very annoyed by that power brick. And so that's cool that it's all one solid unit. So the what I really thought was cool about this is that it's going to be $299 with a 500 gig hard drive, which is similar to the current Xbox One. Um, but not only is it smaller, it adds features to the Xbox One, including 4K Blu-ray confirmed, uh, 4K video, I believe from Netflix and Amazon, and uh, HDR, a high dynamic range. Now, I don't own an HDR set. These are just starting to trickle to the market, and uh, some people own them, and this is a cool way to take advantage of you know that HDR. But what's really neat is the high dynamic range will be supported uh, by games. So, while obviously the Xbox One in its current configuration can't it can barely do 1080p. It's certainly not going to do 4K, uh, but the HDR capabilities are going to be there. So the latest Gears of War game, along with Forza Motorsport, um, will be able to support the HDR functionality of the Xbox One S. So that I find uh, pretty awesome, if I'm if if I'm honest with you. Um, a friend or a supporter of the show uh, Cricket, K-R-I-K-I-T, uh, did a video talking about where this is kind of the first console generation where there's going to be new consoles um, in similar price ranges that offer additional features. So um, he mentioned in the past things like the Wii lost GameCube support, no more uh, memory card slots or uh, the GameCube controller ports. They were lost in future versions of the console. Uh, the GameCube itself lost the digital AV port uh, with later revisions. Um, those are the two big examples that stick out in my mind. Um, the Xbox 360 added an HDMI port about a year and a half or a year into its uh, life cycle, which is kind of cool. Uh, but generally, consoles lose features that aren't used through that five to ten year cycle. And this is kind of the opposite of that, where you can spend the same amount of money and get uh, 4K Blu-ray, 4K movie streaming and uh, HDR, both on the movie side and in the game side, which is kind of awesome. And obviously, it's a small unit I would think it would make less noise and use less power so I really like that I think that's really cool I don't own an Xbox one but that would be something you know that would sway me in that direction or if I had an HDR television you know that would really put it over the top for me uh, so you know maybe there's a million or two or more people out there where you know they're like me have a Wii U or have nothing and have kind of been sitting on the fence the whole time maybe that's a dif differentiator to, to put them over the top but that's the kind of mid-cycle upgrade that I like. It's not required. Uh, you don't need HD. You know, you can use your current Xbox One and normal TV set and not have HDR and it doesn't impact you in any way at all. That I like a lot. Alrighty, but uh, what they did announce was an upgrade called uh, currently Project Scorpio. So there is going to be an Xbox, uh, a mid-grade update next year 2017 uh, that is going to 
update the Xbox One in the same way that uh, we've heard rumors of the the PlayStation 4.5. Um, so Project Scorpio is going to be an Xbox One. It's going to add support for 4K gaming. Um, it is going to be VR ready. So they're stating that you know they're going to have beefed up internals, GPU, CPU, RAM uh, that can support a really great VR experience, uh, rumors still that it's going to support the Oculus Rift, um, but not confirmed. It's going to uh, debut next year. And uh, this is part of Xbox move um, or Microsoft's move to kind of bridge the gap between PC gaming and uh, console gaming. They're trying to close that divide and turn the Xbox One into, you know, a Windows style appliance for your living room. Now, um, you know, this is a scary thought, you know, a couple of decades ago, we've, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, um, but it's kind of an obvious, you know, step of where things are going. Um, the reason why I like Project Scorpio better than the PlayStation Neo or whatever is because they are looking far enough into the future to see that, okay, everyone that buys a new TV today or has in the last year, if it wasn't a low-end cheap TV, you probably already have 4K, and now you can have a console where you can play Xbox One games. Um, I would assume that support it in that higher resolution, um, which I think is kind of cool. I don't know. Like I said last week, I think there is a giant shift happening. I, I think that five-year console cycle is starting to come to an end, um, and I think it's going to be more acceptable to buy a new Xbox, buy a new PlayStation, or buy a new Nintendo every two to three years. Um, I think the market might be ready for that because the mainstream media, not the you know, not people like you and I that are really hardcore about this stuff, but people that buy an Xbox or a PlayStation buy Madden every year and four other games you know that's the mainstream market that buys you know this stuff every few years too much disposable income you know they buy their $800 iPhone every other year you know that's the type of people that are going to drive this change not people like you or me um, so yeah Project Scorpio I, I find it more interesting 4k gaming you know HDR all of that stuff I think is really cool so we'll see where that comes the final piece of news happened today. Now, I just got home from work. I have not watched the trailer for this. I've been following Twitter all day. Um, so I'm going to do my best to kind of talk about this and we'll probably revisit it last uh, next week. Not last week. Wouldn't that be great? Um, and that is Zelda Breath of the Wild. I hope it's Breath of the Wild. If I wrote that down wrong, that will be yeah a little embarrassing. But anyway, the new Zelda game is going to launch uh, with or around the uh, the Nintendo NX next year. It will also be available for the Wii U, and uh, it looks kind of awesome. If if I'm honest, for one. What it reminded me of, and this is going to date me, uh, is Oblivion, Elder Scrolls IV, Oblivion. So an entire, you know, Elder Scrolls game ago. I think uh, Oblivion came out in 2006, if memory serves me right. So a whole decade ago. Um, and I think this is where Zelda needs to go. Um, rather than recycling the same Zelda formula over and over and over, they kind of need to make Zelda a mainstream game again. Um, and having a giant open world in crafting and different armor and just a huge giant world to explore is kind of where Zelda, you know, that's kind of where games are and that's where Zelda should be. We, I like to think of Zelda as like a hardcore game of, you know, uh, a 
generations ago, you know, the original Zelda on the NES or a Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo or Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Um, but at the time when those came out, those were mainstream games. Those were million seller games. Those were cutting edge and, you know, at the time, very, very, very mainstream. It wasn't this niche little, you know, Final Fantasy that a fraction of the market played. It was a huge deal. And that to me is what Nintendo needs Zelda to be. It doesn't need to be this niche little title for families and, you know, nostalgic people like me. It needs to be a game that 5 million people are going to want to buy. That's what Zelda should be because that's what it used to be. And that's what it should still be. And that's kind of the problem with their Mario games. They are, you know, people uh, talk about like new Super Mario U or whatever. New Super Mario Brothers U was basically like the third or fourth new Super Mario Brothers game. It wasn't something that was going to appeal to 5 million people or 10 million people and make them buy a Wii U. And that's what Super Mario World was. And that's what Super Mario Brothers 3 were back in the early 90s. They were the best selling games of their time. And that's something that Mario isn't anymore because Nintendo is too afraid to change. They used to be cutting edge. They used to have that thing that everybody wanted. And then they kind of got away from that. They just stuck with the old and let the world pass them by. So Zelda Breath of the Wild reminds me of something like Oblivion, maybe a little bit of Minecraft, uh, something deeper, you know, something bigger, something that a lot of people are really going to want to play. And if uh, Nintendo can kind of capture that with some of their main properties, stop making them these quirky little titles that appeal to a very small demographic and get back to the roots where they sold, you know, the most consoles and the most games. Maybe, you know, Nintendo can kind of recapture what they did with the Wii and then, you know, the Super Nintendo where they were number one. We shall see. If anyone can screw it up, it's obviously Nintendo. So I do not have any uh, main stories for this middle segment of the show. Um, I'm going to move right on to the cheap game segment. Now, collecting games, uh, especially retro games, can be very expensive, but it doesn't have to be. So, on this segment, what I like to do is talk about two games I paid less than $5 for, one that uh, goes for more than $5 now, and one that is still less than $5, but both are still worth your time. So, let's go ahead and get started with the one that... Uh, is more than $5 now. So, $3.99. This is Enduro Racer on the Master System. Now, at some point, I also acquired the manual and the box. I don't think I paid $3.99 for the whole thing, but Enduro Racer is one of my favorite games on the Master System. Um, this goes for probably $10 or more now, especially with the box and the manual. Very, very simple racing game. It's an isometric racing game, and basically there are five tracks, and then they repeat again, so 10 tracks total. You can complete the game in eight minutes or less, and that's the whole game. But there's something really awesome about this game, and I don't quite know why I like it so much, because I'm in the minority. Uh, but there's something really simplistic and enjoyable, enjoyable about the course design. Basically, you can go full speed or let up and then move left and right. Um, but more importantly, the way you hit the ramp, you kind of have to load the suspension and then let it go uh, so that you leap off 
off the ramp. And then between rounds, you get money for how many cars you passed or how many obstacles that or obstacles, how many cars or bikes that you passed. You can use that money for repairs or upgrades. And then, yeah, that's the entire game. Now, I was a little surprised that this game goes for as much as it does now. I was expecting this to be my game that's still less than $5, um, but I guess I'm. it just doesn't anymore. Um, but if you find it for 5 you should totally pick it up. I'm not sure. 13 seems steep i don't i don't get it but whatever it's a game that i i really enjoy if you like simplistic uh racing games something maybe different from excite bike um give it a shot the other thing i really like about enduro racer is in the arcades this was a super scalar racing game and i really can't stand the super scalar games that were ported to the master system so like space harrier afterburner thunderblade i think they translated really poor to the master system and i find them very hard to play but instead of kind of trying to cram that you know system 16 or whatever experience onto the master system they just made a whole new game they made it an isometric racing game that fits within the combines the confines of the hardware and for that i really really you know appreciate that so enduro racer on the master system uh paid less than five dollars for it now the other game $2.99. This is Gradius 3 on the Super Nintendo. So this game is starting to creep past the $5 mark. There were about three listings um, on the eBay sold that went for less than five with shipping, uh, but the prices kind of escalated quickly from there. This used to be a game you could find anywhere for two to three dollars, but it's creeping up a little bit. This, of course, was a launch title for the Super Nintendo. It is a part of the Gradius series now. I don't know if it's a remix of Gradius 1 and 2 and new stuff. I have no idea. I don't really care and Life Force and all of that. All I know is it's an awesome shooter. Now, this is a launch title, and along with Super R-Type, it has a ton of slowdown. And that slowdown really gave the Super Nintendo a reputation of not being the platform of choice for shooters. Now, I don't know if that existed in the 90s. It certainly exists now. If you want to play some good shmups, you buy a Genesis or you buy a uh, PC Engine or TurboGrafx-16, maybe a Neo Geo, that's where the best shmups are, not the Super Nintendo. Um, but I've owned and played every Super Nintendo shooter, uh, and I find that to be not quite true. There are some great shooters on the Super Nintendo. So this, of course, follows... Um, I don't know what game did it first, if it was Life Force or if it was one of the greatest titles where you collect power-ups and then a bar at the bottom of the screen kind of moves along, and then you can select the upgrade that you want once you collect enough power ups to get it so the first one you collect one power up and then you can get speed and then you can move all the way to like the fifth or sixth one where you can have an option that mirrors your movement um, so i really like that it kind of allows you to uh, play your own way um, i'd like to obviously everybody probably grab a couple speed up power ups then get your options and then you can mow your way through the levels a lot easier than um you know going in a different way but the options are there you know if if you want to play it a different way um i'm not a gradius expert uh the graphics are pretty solid again it, it does a decent job of looking like the arcade game uh, especially compared to life force and gradius on the nes which are pretty watered down uh and pretty flickery um so this is a game that i enjoy not the hugest fan of the gradius series uh it's a little too difficult or i find the game a little too difficult on those final levels and i struggle quite a bit uh, to the point i find it frustrating but 
$5. It's Gradius. It is a must own if you're even remotely interested in arcade shooters uh, for the Super Nintendo. And it's still very cheap. A Konami Super Nintendo game that goes for less than $5. That's pretty awesome. So I know the show is a bit short this week. And for that, I apologize. Um, kind of got a busy slate ahead of me. So we're going to have another show next week where we kind of recap on the rest of E3. Uh, but then after that, I'm getting married. So a week from Saturday, I am getting married. The channel is going to basically go silent for a week uh, while we uh, get married and then go on a honeymoon. Um, and then, you know, we'll be back after that. So 92 will be next week and then 93 will be two weeks after that. And then I'm also recording this show with the same camera camera which keeps changing lightness and darkness on me but i'm recording it in a different program now this might now be true high definition instead of standard definition i can already tell that uh, the field of view is a lot bigger and the video seems smoother so this might be 30 or 60 frames per second instead of 15 frames per second um, so if it looks better let me know and i'll continue doing it this way if you could care less then you know give me some <laughs> tell me what you thought of e3 so uh, that's all for me guys if you're watching this and you want to listen to this like a traditional podcast um, there will be just there'll be links to the rss feed the google play link or the itunes link in the description below if you're listening to the show and you want to watch the show or watch any of the other content i produce each and every week check out the youtube channel at youtube youtube.com slash implant games and until next time guys have a great week <laughs>